Hello and welcome to What a Screen, the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Green, chats with a special guest about horror films. And in particular, we discuss films that have to do with a subject or topic that I have previously randomly chosen. So this week we are back with our literary expert, Elaine Pascal. And because it was March, and because in my head March is Irish month, um, we decided to have a look at Oscar Wilde's the picture of Dorian Gray and a couple of its adaptations. Um, so we are looking at one from 1945, 1970 and 2009. Uh, so here is our chat with Elaine Pascal about the picture of Dorian Gray. I would like to welcome back to the podcast um, our literary expert, Elaine Pascal. How are you? I am doing very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Apart from... <laughs> So before we came on, I couldn't work out why I couldn't hear anything. It just turned out my headphones were plugged in. So that's that's what it's like today for me. Um, so yes, it has uh, been Women in Horror Month as well as Irish Month here. So what have you been up to for Women in Horror Month? Oh my goodness. I've done a couple of readings, which has been fun. I read one of my stories that I believe, I'm going to say this here and fight me if I'm wrong, is the very first paddleboard horror story. I think, I think the first. Um, so I was excited to read from that. And then I led two panels. We talked about this. You and I talked about this before with Unquiet Spirits about the Asian women authors writing about the ghost stories and demon mm-hmm. stories that have been handed down through their families. And it's just their readings were so powerful, so vulnerable and emotional. They are on YouTube. People can find them. We recorded them. So if you missed them, you you can watch them. Mm -hmm. Um, But just them connecting these stories to their place in their families and their culture is really, really wonderful. So we did two of those. And then I have a panel tomorrow and a couple other things coming up. So it's been it's been fun and busy and wonderful and celebratory. How about you? How's your month been going? My month has been very busy with a lot of uh, a lot of articles that had to be written, um, and of course, with it being uh, St. Patrick's Day here, yeah. I had to make a very last minute costume for my son, who decided he was going to be in our, in our local parade, which is fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's been busy um, <laughs> watching a lot of horror films. Although I did manage to fit in a few uh, a comedy here and there, so. Yeah, I've been watching a lot too. And I want to remind you, you and I first met during Women in Horror Month. We did. We were, I was like one of your first guests, I believe. Yes, you were way back in the day. And can you believe, like, I'm almost coming up to my 100th episode? Crazy. Mm, This will be, this will be episode 96. So I'm four, four episodes away from 100. Yeah. I wonder what your hundredth is gonna be. That's gonna be a banger. Yeah. Um, I might get myself a cake. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, as I said, it is Irish month. Um, and so we have decided, well, I kind of decided, I forced it on you, and I'm very sorry. But um <laughs> I we decided to do um the adaptations of Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Um, so what what do you know about this story? Have you read it? What do you think of it? Oh yes. Oh, I love Dorian Gray. I read it years ago as a teen. Um, you know, I'm I I always thought Oscar Wilde seemed like a an interesting charming individual <laughs> you know I was always sort of interested in him I love how all of the images of him all the pictures of him he's always lounging he's yes. always like reclining there it's- there's a there's like a statue in one of the parks in Dublin in Marion Square and he's literally lounging against a rock like that is the I statue. love that I love that about him and did you know he dated the woman who married our very own Bram Stoker Yes, I did know that. I did. I didn't know that till I looked him up this time. I was like, oh my gosh, I never made that. That girl got around. Good for her. <laughs> for, Good her. for her. She had a type. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I've always really loved this story. And this story to me is one of those iconic stories that I wish more people spent time reading because people will say, 
you know, you post your picture on Facebook and you look particularly young because you filtered yourself beyond recognition. Mm. And somebody says, oh, there must be a picture of you aging in your attic. Or, you know, they, people drop that a lot, but I don't think they've actually read the source material to know where yeah. that's coming from. Yeah, definitely. I did read this back in college because it came out like Penguin brought out like a affordable paperback versions and like they had no cover it was literally just I can't remember those like neon green or a neon orange cover it was really plain but they were like 99 cent or you know a euro um so I picked it up then um but I haven't returned to it unfortunately I do feel like what you said about filters and stuff I do think it it could be quite a poignant read in this day and age um and I think I'd be interested in reading it again but possibly audiobooking it this time because I very rarely read anymore um but yes the whole story is about this gorgeous young fella who gets painted by an artist um and then is kind of swept into this hedonistic lifestyle by a uh, lord henry <laughs> and um he kind of gets uh as i said swept in by it and he doesn't age, but his portrait ages as he commits more and more terrible sins. Um, yeah, that that's basically it without going into too much detail, because obviously we're going to go into more detail with the films. Um, what do you think of the overall story? Do you think it, it's a well-written one? I do. I, I mean, the dialogue... Oscar Wilde was a wordsmith. I mean, his wording, his word choice is amazing. So the dialogue, like the things Lord Henry says... <laughs> Like the women never say anything smart, but they say it so charmingly. You know, it's it's amazing. Like you laugh as you're reading. It's really, it's quite amazing. And I was actually thinking as I was reading it through at this time and watching the film, how much Dorian's trajectory is sort of like the the contemporary vampire that we know, where he sort of starts off naive, or or the rock star even. Vampires yeah. and rock stars are kind of the same, but they sort of start off naive, and then they get tempted by this life of drugs and sex and it's it's very easy for them to get it's very accessible to them they fall into it and then they get bored yeah and dorian like our vampire is sitting there thinking like how, is this forever is this am i going to be in this kind of state of ennui yeah and i hadn't really ever made that connection before of that that trajectory yeah. of character yeah, that's a really good shout. I, I kind of like it, and it's something that Oscar Wilde has said himself about his work, that it's very much the life of a creative. Um, mm. And even, I'm trying to, where is this? Uh, I have a quote here by Eld Oscar. Um, he says, the picture of Dorian Gray contains much of me in it. Basil Howard, who is the artist who paints the picture, mm -hmm. is what I think I am. Lord Henry, what the world thinks of me. And Dorian, <laughs> Dorian is what I would like to be in other ages, uh -huh. perhaps. So I kind of like, it's it's almost huh. this description of a creative, mm -hmm. and especially creatives who are out in the world, um, who have an audience, have eyes on them. And it's kind of their three faces almost mm -hmm. how they're depicted how they depict themselves and how they actually are or how they would like to be um so mm -hmm. I kind of found that aspect quite interesting oh yeah and the story is definitely about art and the importance mm -hmm. of art the Sylvia who he loves whatever her name was Sylvia Sylvia uh, Sybil, Sybil. Sorry, Sybil, who he loves was an actress and he kind of loves the characters she portrays more than her it's all about yeah. these facades yeah of the art and who does the art actually belong to mm. like does dorian's portrait belong to basil or to dorian it's yeah. really there's a lot of that in the in the story yeah. that's very interesting yeah and i guess bringing it back to nowadays that's very especially with social media that is very kind of you know on topic now because mm -hmm. people are putting a facade out there and it's mm -hmm. like do does this facade belong to them or does it belong to the consumers of social media of this personality they've kind of put out um and you know people like you were saying kind of saying about Sybil people love this idea of how people are acting what they're acting mm -hmm. they're kind of online but they might not you know love who they actually are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
so yeah so let's anyway let's get well started. are you going to mention before we dive in yeah that the picture of dorian gray a portrait of dorian gray the novel was heavily edited yes as the publisher said there are a number of things an innocent woman would take exception to upon <laughs> reading uh, yes because i think it was like 500 what was it 500 words got edited out yeah um, yeah knocked right out yeah and even the even the heterosexual like they didn't like the idea of Dorian having a lot of mistresses they wanted to really tame that down yeah um and also it's kind of um description i guess of or portrayal of potential homosexuality as well yeah, yeah well basil was definitely in love mm. with Dorian, which we'll talk about some films allude to that and some do not but you yeah know, uh, that had to be kind of tweaked a bit yes um and so yeah oscar was a bit annoyed about that when they were i guess it's one of the early forms of censorship really yeah. isn't it but apparently well, the irony is now there is a Dorian Award that's mm. handed out by the Gay and Lesbian Entertainment Critics. It's called the Dorian Award for the best <laughs> art that's made by gay and lesbian. You know, it's kind of it's come full circle. We're yeah. now we're celebrating that this was actually a homosexual story. It really was <laughs> original. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, dive into it, I guess. We took three um, adaptations going from 1945 to 1970 and then all the way up to one of the most recent full adaptations. There's been quite a few depictions of him in media, whether that's in, um, I think, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um, mm-hmm. yeah. as and Sabrina, the most recent... Uh, and Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful, of course. Um so, but we took the full film, which was in 2009. So we are going to start off with 1945, if you would like to introduce that for us, please. If only the picture could change, and I could be always what I am now. For that, I would give everything. There's nothing in the whole world I would not give. I would give my soul for that. This was released in June of 1945, titled The Picture of Dorian Gray. So the same, you know, the title of the novel. And it is very, very faithful to the source material. The director was Albert Lewin. Herd Hatfield was our Dorian Gray. George Sanders was an amazing Lord Henry. I am going to swoon when we when we talk about him. Um, Angela Lansbury was Sybil Vane mm-hmm. and Donna Reed was Gladys, which was a character that was sort of added to this film. Yeah. It was not Gladys was not in the original. It was nominated for many awards and it won. Angela Lansbury won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. It won Best Cinematography and Academy Award for that. Well deserved. The film is in black and white, but there mm-hmm. are four color inserts of the portrait as the portrait evolves, which mm-hmm. is really cool it is a smart smart movie i thought i just love unfortunately i watched them in chronological order so 1970 and 2009 came for me after 1945 and i was kind of like ugh. 1945 just it holds it's like dorian gray it doesn't really age it just holds up so nicely yeah i do have to say that this close to the 1971 now i did i i quite enjoyed the 1971 for how ridiculous is it we will get into it but i have to say this was my favorite um yeah i i liked it like you said it stayed very close to the the source material i kind of liked the way now this is a ridiculous insert i kind of liked the way they explained how his wish came true that they had the egyptian cat statue cat, i don't yeah. i don't know why i liked that so much i just really liked it for some reason um maybe because i'm a cat person but uh yeah mm-hmm. i i liked it and Herd Hatfield, I thought he did a really good job as Dorian, yeah. while while not going over the top, which I feel in the other two films they went very over the top with it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they couldn't show all the hedonistic kind of um, mm-hmm. factors of it because it was the forties. Um, but I did, I I quite I liked it. I thought the characters were well played out. They weren't overacted. They weren't over the top. It was believable. Um, mm-hmm. And I also thought that this portrait was the most uh, horrific. Mm, okay. 
Yeah, I, I got a bit of a shock when the colour came up. I was like, "What? what's going on? Because I didn't know about the colour inserts until after. Yeah. I'd, and I was quite shocked by it. Um, but yes, I I quite I enjoyed that. And I think Angela Lansbury was just beautiful. She was. And I like with her character how they had that thread of the bird. Like she sang the song about the bird. He bought her a bird. Then yeah. you see them eating quail. Like there was this thread yeah. of the bird that was so nicely handled throughout mm-hmm. the only thing i did not like about her character was that they made her a singer instead of an actress so it yeah it took away from that play within the play idea that was in the book yeah that i liked um but I, she did a great job i love that um it was amazing when he asked her to stay and spend the night and she just got the saddest look on her face and yeah. she left and then he sat down and started he lured her with his, with his Chopin playing on the piano. Yeah. She couldn't resist and had to go back. Like, it was really, I was like, no, no, no. It was really touching. Yeah. And like I said, I love George Sanders. I, I loved, I don't know how to describe his goatee. I think there's a word for it, but he's like one of those pointy goatees that looks like the devil. Yes, because the Lord Henry is the devil character, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's the like one the that... concierge of debauchery. He's yeah. the guy who just like, is like, hey, let's try this. Yeah. He's the one that sits on Dorian's shoulders and says, mm-hmm. you know what would be fun? But the the whole theme of the bird I quite enjoyed because, you know, there was this whole talk of like a caged bird and how this the hedonistic lifestyle is the free lifestyle. But it's kind of the opposite. It almost feels like Dorian is not free because of his hedonistic yeah. lifestyle, that he's committed himself to this kind of life. But he he doesn't have freedom from it. It's It's very... Uh, prison-like to him um, and I, I liked I, I know you know obviously changing Sybil from um, an actress to a singer but to have that kind of bird motif uh-huh. through it I, I quite enjoyed that now did you feel I felt when watching it I felt there was a little bit of a queer reading to it like I felt like Basil did love Dorian when Dorian when I think it was Lord Henry told Basil Dorian's engaged he has this reaction that feels more than just like, oh, he's only known her for a few minutes. It feels more. It feels yeah. he's very possessive of Dorian. He doesn't yeah. want to introduce Dorian to Lord Henry. Like I, re- I, I don't know if it was my contemporary vision, but mm-hmm. I was reading that. And then when Dorian is blackmailing Alan, and he's he has a letter. Yeah, and he says to Alan, "I'm going to show this letter." And for some reason in my mind, I'm like, okay, this letter is him describing. You know, like, dear Mrs. Henry, let me describe the mole above your husband's penis with loving yeah. care because I have seen it many a time. Like, that's yeah. the vibe I got. Like, this is something. This he's blackmailing him with something that's a little something. Yeah, I definitely think it was because I think obviously in those times the Hayes Code was still um, quite a heavily influence on what they could depict in Hollywood. So I think that there was definitely undertones. And obviously, because Dorian Gray is quite a, a, a queer story, that mm-hmm. I definitely think it was a wink to, like, you know, the the origins of the text. Um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, as someone who's so obsessed with Dorian as Basil is, I don't think mm-hmm. you could really get away with playing him straight. <laughs> yeah. Now, why do you think they created the story of Gladys that he... Like she loved him when she was little and then he's engaged to her at the end. And she's in no way stunned that he looks exactly the same as he did. You know, she's like, that's okay. Was it to show how corrupt he was? Was it to show his like trying to be proper society, you know, put that social face in front of his debauchery? Like what was her purpose? I don't know. Because, you know, it's her kind of at the end, it's her love saying Uh in quotation marks that he says oh now I need to be a moral person and this is what kills him kind of in the end or you know like this is what kind of turns him at the end Uh um so I don't know whether it's for that or because obviously us looking at it now we're like that's disgusting like that is terrible um you know that's just weird um but I don't know what it was like in the 40s. I wasn't there. Maybe that was normal. Maybe it was like, you know, it's perfectly normal for 40-year-old men to marry 20-year-old women that they had previously known. I don't know. Um, not that it was okay. But 
Yeah, I don't know whether they were saying something about innocence and, you know, a pure innocence could only free. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then, then again, I think that's quite a kind of kind of a bitchy thing against um, poor Sybil because, you know, just because he, she went back to him mm-hmm. after he told her to, you know, or after she'd said she'd got to leave and then he tried to trick her. Um, I feel that was a bit kind of like <laughs> slut <Yeah>. shamey. <laughs> Absolutely was. It 100% yeah. was. Yeah. Absolutely was. That was horrible. That was yeah. really a And her poor brother. Mm. I love, I love when the movies, and one of them did not, but I love when they include the hunting scene where the brother accidentally yes. gets shot. And everyone, the, everyone's there like, well, let's not let the dead man ruin our hunting weekend. Like they just, <laughs> it's not one of ours. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this film, and I feel like this film was a bit more than the the other two, do you think it was a commentary on uh, class and kind of like the, these differences between upper class and, and lower class? Yes. And I think the commentary was that the upper class put on, again, it's all about facade. The upper class puts on this facade of being so proper and so civilized and so well-mannered. But behind the scenes, they're all banging Dorian. They're all yeah. doing drugs. I mean, Dorian's in an opium den with, yeah. you know, like, it's all fake. So I feel like that is a commentary that they're not as proper and wonderful as they think they are. I mean, Lord Henry's handing around books in the beginning that are like smut books. Yeah. When he, he hands it to the coachman, he gives one to Dorian. You know, it's, they're not, it's fake. It's all fake. They're, they're not better yeah. than everyone else, but they believe they are. Yeah, and the only reason they get away with it is because they're they're of the upper class, they're rich. Yeah, and um, they can cover up things like murders and things, yeah. just, just like they do today. <laughs> As you do. Um, yeah, so would you recommend this version of... Uh, I love this. I really, yeah. really, I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. I thought, oh, 1945 is probably going to be kind of corny. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Again, I thought George Sanders was the Lord Henry. Like, I don't really want to see anybody else be Lord Henry. I thought he was just the embodiment of that character. He nailed it. Um, I thought it was gorgeous to look at. Yeah. I Even, you know, the Dorian didn't look like the Dorian in the book is described. But as you said, he did a fantastic job. It, It was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, I would say that it's light on, apart from the kind of towards the end where we get to see the portrait, um, it's quite light on the horror. Um, It's more kind of a drama um, Mm -hmm. about like a a morality drama about what the hedonistic lifestyle can lead to. Um, So I would say it's quite light on the horror. Um, It's a little bit gothic. I wouldn't say it was Mm -hmm. full on gothic. It's a little bit gothic. Mm hmm. Uh, but it's it's still enjoyable. Like I still quite enjoyed it. If nothing for Angela Lansbury, I think she was fabulous in it. I love her. Yes, she was. She was. <laughs> um, so now we are going to move on to. We're going to fast forward to twenty five years later. Twenty five, nineteen forty. Yep, twenty five. Yes, my maths is correct. <laughs> um, to Dorian Gray from nineteen seventy. He's been beautiful and 21 for almost half a century. But what was the price of eternal youth? I would give anything to stay like that. He's fallen in love with your painting. Or with his own beauty, I don't think he realized before. I would give my soul to stay like that. Which is, it's an Italian film, but it's set in London. But it's not set within the same... Uh, decade mm-hmm. in the book it's set in the 1970s um, it's directed by Massimo Dalmano um, and it stars Helmut Berger as Dorian Gray Richard Todd as Basil Howard Herbert Lom as Henry Watton um, Marie Le- I don't know how to pronounce this I'm sorry sorry Marie Leodal as Sybil Vane um, and it is the story of Dorian Gray, but it's set within the 70s mm-hmm. era, which was obviously known for its hedonism coming out of like, you know, free love, um, the 60s and going into like swinging. It was kind of like that cross between like the swing of 60s and where it kind of went to disco 70s. Um, and I really like that aesthetic. Like I love the 70s um, mm-hmm. and I really like the aesthetic. And I 
from the get-go because it opens on the we see like a point of view of Dorian mm-hmm. and his bloodied hands after he has murdered Basil and I was like oh are we gonna have a bit of a jello theme like I'd love it if this went a bit weird a bit jello it unfortunately didn't the opening credits made it seem like that but it didn't but it was just very like when I think of modern-ish hedonism I think of this it was very like uh Sh- Studio 54 is that the yes yes it was yeah. yeah it was very Studio 54 and oh, yeah I, I mean, were, were they good characterizations? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Especially Henry Watson. I did not like. Uh-uh. I did not like his characterization at all. But it really does amp up like the drug use, the sex, the the homosexuality. Um, it actually introduces Henry as the queer kind uh-huh. of relationship in this. But we also get a motif of um, voyeurism in it Mm because we have this photographer um, who likes to take pictures of Dorian but also likes to sneakily take pictures of of, of Dorian and his conquests, which is very weird. Um, Yes, non-consensual. Very non-consensual, yeah. So women don't know the pictures are being taken. He seems to know because he uses them, but, you know. Yeah. Um, So what did you think about this version I give this movie a lot of leeway because it's called The Secret of Dorian Gray. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it starts with the murder of Basil. So Mm -hmm. I went into it being like, okay, this is not, they're taking a lot of liberty with the source material. They're announcing right off the bat that it's not exactly the Oscar Wilde story. So I was like, okay, okay. I, you know, I can be okay with that. Um, Helmut Berger, whatever his name was, looked like Dorian to Mm -hmm. me, like, physically looked like what I would think Dorian Gray would look like. And I love this jaunty scarf that he wore when he was having his portrait taken. Um, it's, I, it was interesting to me because they spent so much time on his relationship with Sybil. Mm. Like they were on dates, they were in cars, they were making love in the outdoors, they were eating hot dogs. Like it was just really, I thought, why yeah. are we really developing this as much yeah. as we are? And I found that a little bit interesting. Um, so I, I, I have a couple likes and a couple dislikes. Yeah. I liked that they showed the old folks home and they were like, like the living dead zombies when they visited the old folks home. And it was sort of like this contrast between Dorian and the old people. And also the, this is why we fear growing old. It's going to be like that. It's going to be ugly. And And I felt bad for the actors in that scene. I'm like, Oh my God, I would hate to be the one that they hide. We need an old hag. How about you? (laughs) Um, I loved, 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 loved when Dorian dropped the soap in the shower and Henry, I'm like, how on the nose. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love that scene so much. I howled. I literally howled when I saw that. I thought it was funny that when they projected to everyone growing old with Dorian, we were still in the 1960s and 70s. Like they they couldn't figure out what the 80s or 90s would look like. And Dorian's outfits were superb. I think Oscar Wilde would have loved his yes. clothes. And then there's another cat in this. Did you notice that? They kept showing this weird yes. cat. The black the, cat. Yeah. That yeah. Was bro- Every time I, they showed it, I go, sir, your cat's broken. It was like this weird, <laughs> like, stuffed cat. It wasn't even a real cat. It was so weird. What I did not like was when Dorian, quote, unquote, seduces Alan's wife where she's saying, no, 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 I don't want this. And he's like, well, I'll just keep pressuring you until you cave in and then you'll enjoy it. I really, that was not cool. And the Alan blackmail, I didn't even understand. Like, I'm not an expert at blackmail. I've never blackmailed (laughs) anyone, nor have I been blackmailed. It's not my forte. I I don't think you hand someone a picture of their wife performing oral sex on you as blackmail. I don't think that's how blackmail works. I was like, what's the blackmail here? What's happening? I don't understand. That was so what's, weird. What's me. the power play here? <laughs> exactly. But I do like how at the end, I felt like he, I felt like this Dorian, like I kept saying, God, he's got to kill himself soon. I felt like he really had had it. He was yeah. world weary. He was just, he was done by yeah. the end. And that really came across nicely. Yeah. One thing I didn't like was the portrait and how it was portrayed as getting ugly 
and mm. it just turned him green <laughs> and yeah. because he's wearing that like dandy purple scarf it just made him look like the hulk <laughs> yeah and well, i thought just- it was funny too they were on basil's houseboat and when he's first showing the portrait and henry or somebody says i didn't know you did portraits and basil's like i don't and and then they keep walking around the houseboat and there's literally three more portraits like in the background <laughs> okay continuity error or what um but yeah going back to i i think oscar wilde himself would have enjoyed this adaptation Mm -hmm. um but yes i didn't really like the basically the rape scene i thought that was i don't i just don't see dorian as that kind of hedonist i don't think if he had to persuade anyone to do anything i don't think that would have interested him right not that like not that he had mad respect for women because he didn't but Mm -hmm. i i don't think that was his character i don't think oscar wilde would have written him that way and so i don't appreciate that inclusion Mm -hmm. they were really explicit with the sex scenes oh god yeah this turned Um, 70s porno Yeah. yeah I was like, Jesus, uh, <laughs> not knowing where to look. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I liked it for its like a aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I definitely enjoyed it more than the most recent one. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because it was just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, I, I felt like they, I felt like they weren't trying to be Dorian Gray. I felt like yeah. by giving it a different title and starting in the middle and yeah. making it in the 1970s, I felt like they were saying, you know, we are going to go a little off script here. So I was, yeah. I was open to that. I was okay with mm. that. What did you think of um, the end where he does actually turn the dagger on himself? He does actually commit suicide rather than slashing the painting, um, which is what the original, yeah. I was surprised by that. I, I, and I don't care for that because it's not the idea of him slashing the painting but then dying and they find him with the knife yeah. in him and the painting shows that his soul was really captured in the painting yeah what did you think yeah i didn't like it because i felt like when so when he gets to the point where he slashes the painting he like you said he's really fed up bored with life and i just feel like that is it, him slashing the painting is when he decides that you know he wants to end his youth basically and that's very symbolic where he is slashing the painting because that is where his youth is kind of exuding from Mm -hmm. um so yeah I didn't I didn't really like that he just decided to kill himself because again I don't think that is the characterization that Mm. Oscar Wilde wrote um but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an interesting adaptation that I would tell people to watch just to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll go in with like a you know, ready for a silly time. Just it's, yeah, it's silly. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to two thousand and nine. <laughs> then let's do it. I've done dreadful things, monstrous things, and there will be a price. You remember when I first came to London? You have the only two things worth having. Looks and youth. We kind of <laughs> mentioned before we came on that this felt a bit like it was riding off the back of like... In the early 2000s, there was definitely this boom of gothic. So like mm-hmm. I said, we had like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We had Van Helsing, which we've already covered. Um, <laughs> and it definitely felt like this Dorian Gray definitely came on the back of that Mm -hmm. um so it is uh, a british dark fantasy horror film um directed by oliver parker and it stars ben barnes as um i was like what's his character called dorian gray obviously (laughs) colin firth (laughs) plays lord henry um ben chaplin plays uh basil the, the painter Rachel Herdwood as Sybil Vane. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely that early two thousands gothic style. Um, and I, I hate saying this because I do like Colin Firth, but I just I couldn't believe him as Lord oh. Henry. 
I could not do it. Oh, my God. And they stuffed him in suits that were two sizes too small. He's not he's not a fat man. But they were, like, so tight around his throat. I was uncomfortable watching it. Like, he just looked a mess. He looked an absolute mess the whole way through the film. I was not. And I like him normally. I mean, and I I just, I also think the way they they rewrote the character to give him a redemption arc, which I hated. I hate. And that's not Colin Firth's fault. But I hated that. Yes, because at the end. so But we see this other thing where, you know, he has a daughter. And Dorian mm-hmm. Gray's gone off for 20 years to travel the world. And then when he comes back, he falls in love with Lord Henry's daughter. And... I hated that so much. I kept looking at the timestamp going, why did they drag this out for another half hour yeah. to have this romance that's so stupid? Yeah. And then, like... And again, she never says, why don't you look my father's age? Not once does that bother her. Not yeah. once. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. <sighs> You know what? Like, it's fine. It's fine <laughs> if you want to look at, like, pretty Ben Barnes, because he was very pretty. Still is yeah. very pretty. Um, and, you know, it's it's totally fine. Obviously, they don't go as heavy with the hedonism as they do in the 70s, but it is still quite, you know, like, there's a scene where he seduces a young debutante, mm-hmm. um, and then when her mother's going mad looking for her, he decides to seduce her while the debutante is under the bed. Um but you know that then he says to the debutante, he gets rid of the mother and he says, Where were we? He didn't del- like I wanted Alan Rickman to bust in and deliver the line for him. I wanted somebody who could really ma- do that, like evil, but still kind of sexy at the same time. Yeah. Sexy evil. I wanted that. And he was, he, I didn't like how Dorian was such a rube at the beginning. He's like this bumbling, like when he met Sybil for the first time, he's bumbling all over yeah. himself. He's not suave. He's not yeah. charming. I just, I, I, the choices were odd to me with this film. Yeah, I think I think Ben Barnes had the look. Like, I think he was <clears throat> stunning, gorgeous. <clears throat> but I just don't think he had the conviction to play the part of Dorian. Um, mm. Yeah, like they were trying to do like the bumbling kind of you know, attractive Englishman who's all like charmingly kind of like Hugh Grant. <laughs> no, you're yes. gonna, yeah. They're kind of Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah. But it just didn't quite but I couldn't see how they went from that to this mm-hmm. kind of playboy, well trying to be a playboy kind of, you know, opium addict. Um it just it didn't quite work for me mm-hmm. that transition. Yeah. I don't it's think he played it with conviction. Well, then they also tried to bring in this weird backstory to try to, like, he was abused mm. as a child or something. And that's taking away from the whole fakery, that whole facade, fake lens, by giving yeah. him this psychological background. I, I don't yeah. want that. Not for Dorian. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So it was like his grandfather abused him because his mother died in childbirth. Um, and so there's this whole thing, you know, this whole theme throughout the film that he just, he ruins every woman he comes into contact with. And I just feel like that oh, maybe it's because, like, such a fuck boy kind of. <laughs> like, oh, I ruin women when I come into contact with them. Um, and it's just not, I don't know. I just feel like I think if we're, you know, we said about the 70s, if Oscar Wilde watched that, I think he'd be quite impressed. I think with this one, he'd be quite bored. Mm. Mm-hmm. and i just they really try to be you know look at you know the opium dens and and these like masquerade parties and look how mm-hmm. you know look how scandalous it was but it just mm-hmm. didn't it just didn't feel it it looked yeah, it, was it trying to be it like feel it. dangerous liaisons meets eyes mm-hmm. wide open kind of like yeah and it yeah. did no i will give it one positive I had one positive comment. I was going to say, any positives? <laughs> That's what, in the very beginning, it starts off with all these blue colors. Everything's very mm. blue. And it's like his innocent blue. Look, and it, it was really pretty to look at. And then when he kind of flips and he's full on debauchery and they're doing like the parties dancing with the snakes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's reds. It's a red flower, red jam on the toast, red wine. Everything's red. Now suddenly it's... Yeah evil and bad and red and they tried to yeah. throw in a lot of fire image too so i felt like they they tried to do some imagery but again i didn't 
I didn't feel that they did that trajectory correctly. And they certainly undid that whole idea of society trying to look moral and good. All these, they were all in on the parties. Yeah. They were all in on it. They were all participating. So it wasn't like it was in 1945 where they're sitting around these prim proper little parties, but like behind the scenes, Mm. this other stuff is going on and they're going to the opium dens and they're hiring prostitutes and that, you know. Mm. And I also feel the kind of the breakdown with Sybil wasn't horrific enough. Like in, Uh so in the first film, he plays a dirty trick on her that is you know predetermined for her to fail Mm -hmm. um and it's it's quite horrific and it's quite nasty um I I can't even remember what's in the second one what but I know it was a nasty trick um I think he just didn't like her or something that was it he brought he brought um he brought his friends to one of her performances and he deemed that her performance wasn't good enough so he told her to which is like the book that's what he does in the book so it's particularly nasty whereas this one he's proposed kind of marriage and then when she's like well yes i want to get married and let's have a child he's like whoa you're going too fast and that's it and it just didn't feel horrible (laughs) enough so we know definitely because like in the book and in the other films that is the turning point Mm -hmm. that is the point at which everything goes downhill Mm -hmm. and it just didn't feel pivotal enough Mm-mm. For that to be that turning point. Yeah, that's when he wants to live a life of mm. lust. And, you know, he's like, I'm done. And the brother dies by a train. No hunting accident. Yeah. I was so disappointed. Yeah. I love the hunting accident. So I was very, very disappointed. I was like, that's very anticlimactic. Yeah, they definitely took liberties. And I don't think they were the right liberties to take. <laughs> so, I just would... I mean, in the 1970s, they took liberties, but I feel like they still tried to keep some of the themes. The liberties they took in this one undid the themes. And like him, now now he's in love at the end. And Mm -hmm. she's like, please, I'll save you. And he's like, no, go, go, save yourself. You know, I'm like, what is this? This is not Dorian Gray. What is this? And like I said, Colin Firth is now the caring father. He's now the protective father. Yeah. It just, that was ridiculous. That was just yeah. absolutely And he had the painting at the end. Yeah. He keeps the painting. And then when he, you know, like, that was another thing where, it, like, it turns out he's trying to get in touch with his daughter, but his daughter doesn't want to talk to him. You're like, but why? Yeah. Like, he literally saved you from someone who was, like, double your age and, you know. <laughs> like, and a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, a few a, a few things were kind of. I just didn't understand why. What's interesting in this one is that they made the Alan character, the one who he tries to blackmail in the other films, his butler. Yes. And he ends up firing him. Yeah. And then Alan ends up betraying, like going to Colin Firth and saying, he's got a picture in his attic or he's got this locked door. We don't know what's behind it or something like that. Yeah. Like selling him out. Yeah. That was kind of an interesting twist. I'm not sure what it did (laughs) for the actual you know, for the meaning of the film, but it was kind of an interesting twist. Yeah. Do you think they were playing a bit more on this vampiric version of Dorian Gray? Because he definitely has the look. Like, if you looked at him, you would have been like, maybe he belongs in an Anne Rice film. (laughs) Thinking Lestat. Yes. I I had exactly, funny enough, I had exactly the same thought. Mm-hmm. especially the, I'm traveling around like what was yeah. that now I'm in here now I'm on the Nile now I'm, you know that felt very yeah. Lestat to me and yeah. and not very Dorian Gray yeah I had that's so funny because I had exactly the same thought um that they were definitely that perhaps in a good Lestat maybe did this when was Queen of the Damned when did that come out because I feel like it might have been another kind of influence on this um oh maybe Queen of the Damned 2002 so this was a year after so I definitely feel like it was still kind of in the same vein I definitely think they were trying to trying to do another queen of the damned kind of um and interviews a vampire kind of yeah yeah but it just it just didn't quite I mean I know I know interview with a vampire and I know queen of the damned has you know it doesn't quite hit the marks in some respects Mm -hmm. but it's still still better than this oh god they're way better than this yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god they look like a work of genius compared to this <laughs> um so i kind of know the answer but would you recommend this no yeah. i it was such a struggle to get through it i was really really struggling to watch it and then as i said when i looked at the timestamp, i thought we were nearing the end and then I said, oh, my God, there's still like a half an hour left. What on earth? And then I was like, oh, no, it's a love story. That's what's we're doing on the last half yeah. hour. It just really yeah. was a mess. It was a mess. And I thought, you know, I got, went into it thinking, oh, Colin Firth, he's good. This will be good. No. I kind of, I would have preferred him as the Basil character, I think. Mm. I think he would have made a better Basil. He's not quite devilish enough for Lord Henry. No. You know. And poor Basil's almost like the an- the angel. If we've got a devil, then we have an angel character, and that that was definitely Basil. Maybe they should have um, done a uh, what was that when he was in all those movies with Hugh Grant, and they were both chasing. Oh, Bridget that- Jones. <laughs> yeah, they should have done a Bridget Jones and had Hugh Grant be the. He can do bad. He can be a bad guy. He is. He's quite good creepy at bad. when he when he does the bad. Yeah. Like, it's surprisingly creepy when he's a bad guy. Yeah, I but think I would have believed him more as Lord mm-hmm. Henry. Um. But yeah, I didn't have a cat. There was no cat at all anywhere in this one. We we want cats. (laughs) We like cats in our Dwayne Gray. (laughs) I would recommend it if you're a fan. Like I know some people have a guilty thing for Van Helsing um and that kind of era so you know what if that's if that's I'm not I'm not here to yuck your yum if this is what you're into this kind of British well gothic kind of revival that they tried to have in the early 2000s and go for and maybe if you've never read dorian gray Mm. nor do you care about dorian gray because this is really not the story it really goes off track you know if you want to go and maybe you know again maybe if i hadn't watched it after 1945 and 1970 and after rereading it maybe it wouldn't have bothered me as much but yeah Yeah. it did because i knew what it was supposed to be and it was yeah yeah um so with the picture of dorian gray if there was to be a reboot would you like it to still be set in oscar wilde's intended era or would you like it to be more modern perhaps more of what we've talked about with like social media and online i'm thinking more i mean we have to me the 1945 is the definitive dorian gray like let's sort of leave that be what it is that's me that's the picture of Dorian Gray that's based on the Oscar Wilde yeah novel and it's it's perfect as is let's keep that as what it is and then yeah wouldn't it be interesting to see it with social media see it in that context that would be super interesting and who would be your ideal Dorian Gray and all the plastic surgery and stuff too like it's real there's a <laughs> lot of places they can go oh who would be my Dorian mm-hmm. Ooh, who's pretty enough? I was trying to. Th- I was like, who's pretty enough? I don't really know what pretty. Timothy Shal- Chalamet. Like- Chalamet. Chal- Chalamet. He's quite oh, pretty, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, maybe him. Yeah. But is that too obvious? Is that too obvious of a casting? Yeah, but I don't know who else. I can't really think of anyone else that would be that an artist would like fall in love with is their painting is, their muse. you know we need someone who's a muse yeah that's what i mean you need which he is he's very that he's he's still like that ingenue for a little while longer he's gonna outgrow it but he's yeah he's still in that stage yeah i can't i can th- i can't think of any and who would be lord henry we need someone really evil, someone like just gleefully devilish. evil. Just someone yeah, devilish. devilish fun, but they just love being the devil. I don't know. Oh my god. I could never be a casting agent, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what you say that and all actors have gone out of my head. Right. And then at 3 a.m. you wake up and go, <gasps> you know. <laughs> I'll have to edit it in, do a little sound bite right here. <laughs> I can't even. Um, maybe Jamie Fox might be a good Lord Henry. Oh, that would be a nice twist. That yeah, would be. He sounds, but he he feels a bit like I think he'd play a good devilish character. Yeah, especially if we are going with like a social media, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Would we like a gender swapped Dorian Gray? Do you reckon that would work? 
meaning all of them or just like Henry would be female? I, I sometimes like when they do like a female devil yeah. in movies and things like in the Sandman and, and mm. like, I'm like Mia Goth might be quite good as a, a mm-hmm. devilish character. I think mm-hmm. she would play a devilish character very well. But the only Maybe. problem is that you have to be careful if you've got Dorian as a male and yeah. Henry's a female, you got to be careful that they're not trying to be like, well, no, they're actually in love. And then, yeah, you know, become true, yeah. Dracula and Mina who weren't ever yeah. in love, but now let's make them the love story of, you know, of all yeah. times. Yeah. We don't want any love in our stories. <laughs> no, I don't want romance in Dorian Gray. Not the, well, the whole point is that he really is incapable yeah. of loving anyone truly mm. he just really can't that's a part of the story yeah dorian gray original fuck boy <laughs> yes yes he is and they did that well in penny dreadful yes he was really yeah. <laughs> he was good <laughs> um oh actually eva green she might be quite good as like a devilish character. oh yeah oh yeah. she would be good yes i think she would be fantastic you would be good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, sorry, complete sidetrack. I watched um, a film recently called Nocebo that Eva Green is in, and it's actually very, very good. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. Um, I'll have to look at that. Yeah, it's actually, it's very good. It's like a a Filipino folk horror. Um, and Ooh. it's, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. What's so, it called? Nocebo, so N-O-C-E-B-O. Uh-huh. Okay wrote it down so i'll remember yeah. all right yeah perfect i enjoyed it sorry just as an eva green side no 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 i love those recommendations <laughs> um so yes picture of dorian gray thank you so much for coming on and oh, i'm so God, sorry for it. putting thank you, you for through it me. no oh i love it you know that i love it yes we i think our next episode should be a stephen king i think we've it's been 100 episodes like i think we put it off for long enough now i know i know i do feel guilty about that yes maybe we should start off with like stephen king's short story adaptations there's been a couple the other half some really good (laughs) just a few yeah okay um thank you so much and where can people find you online if they would like to i am at elainepascal.com and i'm elaine.pascal on facebook and at dot laney on twitter and instagram so that was my talk there with elaine pascal about oscar wilde's the picture of dorian gray as well as its adaptations one from 1945 one from 1970 and one from 2009 um so don't forget to let me know what you think of the picture of Dorian Gray, what you think of its themes, what adaptation is your favourite, um, and who you would like to see as a possible future Dorian Gray. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at what underscore scream, as well as Instagram at what a scream. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. And don't forget to stay horrific. Goodbye. <laughs>